Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on texasfootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there, currently fighting a war with Mike Zuck, Mike Zuckerberg. <laughs> Mike Zuck. You know what, Zuck? You deserve it, Marvin Zuckerberg. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. She's the Duchess of the Dork. She's actually a pickle. <laughs> We're having trouble with Facebook? Yeah. Every technology thing is blowing up in my face today. So, it's a Monday. It's okay. I think I might have won this war, possibly. Zuck's going to hear this and shut me down. It's going to be like cool. banned. Yeah, come get some milk, Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today is Monday, October 26, 2020. 31 days until Thanksgiving. We're, we're in the countdown. Episode 1055. 1055, this is the Nick Tepish episode. Okay, Nick Tepish, one of four Major League Baseball players whose first name starts with, or his last name starts with Tep. So, my brother, Nick <laughs> Tepish. Nick Tepish, Ryan Tepera, Frank Tepidino. And Joe Tepsik. Is that right? Yeah, Joe Tepsik. Anyway, happy happy Nick Tepish Day. And here's the other thing about Nick Tepish. He went to the University of Missouri. Ew, y'all are like strangely right. similar. We're buddies. Yeah, we're both outstanding uh, right-handed pitchers. Um, we're both... We're actually around the same age. He's a little younger than me, but not that much. Anyway. That's because you're ancient. You know what? <laughs> Not in the mood for you this morning. <laughs> do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Ed McElroy, Aaron Arbuckle, Blake, and Dia Carter. Blah? Carter? Card, clatter. Clatter. I don't know how you say it. Anyway, you're doing great. Blake and Dia and Daniel Agnew. Happy Monday, folks. <laughs> happy, yeah. Happy Monday. Jeez. <laughs> On today's show, friends, we got a big show. Big, 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 big show. we got Monday morning fallout. We're going to overreact to the football weekend. Uh, then we're going to talk with the head coach, the Brownsville Hannah Golden Eagles. Coach Mark Guess. A 
big, the Rio Grande Valley got back in football for a lot of the teams this week. Mm-hmm. And probably the big stunner of the weekend was Brownsville Hannah over San Benito. We will talk with Coach Mark Guess about his Golden Eagles. Then we'll unveil the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press rankings. We will unveil the new members of the UIL 100. We'll announce the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. We'll announce the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coach of the Week. We'll round it all out with a nice campus crawl looking at the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas. So you hang with us for an hour. You'll get all of those things in one show. How about that? Um, Bargain. Pickle? Yes. Hit the air right sign. It's time for Monday Morning Fallout. Monday Morning Fallout, of course. When we overreact to the football weekend, and what a weekend it was to overreact to. Let's start with my three big thoughts. Thought number one. Out of the blue. So, last week was honestly, on paper, going into the week in the high school football ranks. Not a great week of games. It was a, a, a lighter slate of games as, of, like, legit awesome games. Uh, part of that is due to COVID-19. Part of it is just how the schedule fell, that, like, we had a lot of games that were that, that we thought we were, like, okay, well, there, there weren't those, you didn't have all those big high-profile games. I think part of it is that a lot of the 6A and 5A teams are now into district play. Yes. So as a result, you're ha- those big non-district matchups are just fewer and farther between. Mm-hmm. But it seems like every year we have one of those weeks. We have a week where it's like, eh, slate's okay. Not amazing. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But We had good Thursday games, but that was about it. <laughs> but this week came through in ways that we didn't think it mm-hmm. was. It would. Um, I thought that um, Decatur's win over Springfield, or Springfield, Springtown, was really impressive. Uh, Decatur, I think there's an argument that they are now the favorite out of Region 1 and 4A Division 1. That's a great win for Springtown, or for Decatur, rather. Great win as they jump out to a big lead. Springtown comes back on. They score late and hold off a a late Porcupine Rally uh, to basically win the district title. Uh, Lang passes an LBJ mm-hmm. probably lived up to the hype, I would say. And I think that, I think that that was one of those games where it just solidified what we already thought. Mm-hmm. I think LBJ can hang with anybody. Yep. I think they can, I think they can hang and be a problem for anybody. I also think that L that Lang passes is anybody. I oh, think yeah. Lang passes is at worst a top three team in four, a division one at absolute worst. And I think they proved that on a night when really they had to rely on guys who weren't named Ace White had to come through with a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Corpus Christi Miller? I thought Corpus Christi Miller and, and, and Portland Hawk Calhoun, a wild, wild, <laughs> wild just affair. A crazy game. Crazy game. Calhoun pulls it out in the final moments. Um, Sterling, the, the game of the weekend was Sterling City and Westbrook, and Sterling City comes through, kind of beats Westbrook at their own game, like a low-scoring slugfest, got a fantastic game uh, from their running game. Uh, Katie Tompkins' uh, impressive win over Katie Taylor. Um, I thought that, and then you had a couple of stunners, right? Uh, you had Midlothian Heritage being a Waco La Vega mm-hmm. in a game that was on our radar, but it kind of lost a little bit of luster because Midlothian Heritage kind of been kind of bobbing along. They go and stun Waco La Vega and turn things upside down for Division One. Um, I thought that Abilene's win over Odessa Permian really mm-hmm. turns a little Southwest Conference 2-6A upside down. Permian coming off that big win over Midland Lee. Now they go and they lose to previously winless Abilene. Kind of a surprise. And so, really, in a lot of ways, what you saw was... And then, by the way, you had Winsboro upsetting Mount Vernon. Yeah, And so, 
really, we didn't necessarily expect an amazing week of high school football because on paper, and yet it delivered, which I think is kind of um, kind of neat. That's pretty neat. Pretty neat. All right. Thought number two: Poe body's nerfed. This is a Simpsons reference. <laughs> I got a good kick out of this. It's one. A Marge Simpson reference. Um. Okay. So here's the thing, guys. We are now fresh out of undefeated teams in the state of Texas in college football. We're fresh out. Everyone's got a loss. Mm-hmm. All of them. Every single one of them. As SMU got really, like, just hammered. Just hammered by Cincinnati. Especially, mm-hmm. like, that game was super tight early, and then Cincinnati hit the gas. And part of it is is SMU turned the ball over. The offense kind of came off the, came off the tracks. I think they missed Reggie Roberson in a big way. Uh, I don't think the weather helped. I'm not making an excuse for SMU. But now we're fresh out of undefeated teams. And so we are still waiting on an undefeated team. The last undefeated team was Houston, right? Yep. That, that Houston team that went to the Sugar Bowl and beat Florida State. That's the last undefeated team we had in the state of Texas. Um, oh, well, I'm sorry, FBS. FBS team. Of course, Maryland and Baylor's won national titles and stuff like that. But point is, we're we're now like a couple of weeks ago we kind of said goodbye to the um to the college football playoff for the state of Texas. Maybe I mean maybe if like A and M wins out, they could sneak in, but they'd need a lot of chaos around them to get yeah. in. Um but so but but at the very least we will not have an undefeated team in the state of Texas in twenty twenty. And finally, forget Friday. So one thing to keep an eye on this week and next week and pretty much every week for the rest of the year, for the rest of the season at least, in Texas high school football, is we are going to have a lot of midweek football. Oh, yeah. A lot. What is it, 29 There are 29 games that are supposed to be played Monday through Wednesday this week. Yeah. Tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. 29 games. And by the way, that number is probably only going to increase. Now, part of it is that we are still going to be moving things to um, or whenever we get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. There will be fewer Monday games because teams will be there will be fewer teams. Right. But uh, there will be 29 Monday through Wednesday games this week. There will almost certainly be more of them next week. Uh, and so keep an eye on that. That's something to keep an eye on for, for Texas high school football is that we are going to have a lot of weirdo non uh, weirdo games that are kind of in the middle of the week Which, because of the five-day rule. Can we plug real fast? If you haven't been to our YouTube page, yes. the Matt Step mega road trip is out. He's back from Canada. We'll play it on the so. show tomorrow. But yeah. uh, yes, you check can, that out. You can check that on, on our YouTube page. So those are three big thoughts. Three helmet stickers. A helmet sticker for Cleburne athlete Cleo Chandler. Cleo Chandler carried the ball 12 times for 238 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. He also caught three passes for 102 yards and a pair of receiving touchdowns. Cleo Chandler from Cleburne gets a helmet sticker. A helmet sticker to Texas Tech linebacker Rico Jeffers. He was everywhere for Texas Tech in their big, big, big win over West Virginia. Um, They needed somebody to step up in a big way and be a playmaker defensively. Rico Jeffers was that guy on Saturday. Really impressive. Uh, Rico Je- Jeffers from Lake, uh, from Texas Tech rather gets a helmet sticker. And a helmet sticker to Laredo Nixon running back Ricky Navarro. Laredo's back and, and playing football again. And they uh, got a big – Laredo Nixon got a huge game from Ricky Navarro. He ran for 219 yards and five touchdowns on the ground in Nixon's big win. So – uh, the Laredo Nixon running back Ricky Navarro gets a helmet sticker. Three teams to worry about. Let's worry about Hewitt Midway. 
Yeah. They're in trouble, like with Big a capital trouble. T. If you didn't know, with the zones, they're too. in that uh, that South Dallas district with Cedar Hill, uh, with De- Duncanville DeSoto. and DeSoto, and they decided to split it into zones, to f- two four-team zones. So they are in the zone with Waco High, with Mansfield, and with Duncanville. Mm. Okay. Well, they just lost this week to Mansfield. Yep. As a result, they are now 0-4, I believe, on the year. Mm-hmm. At least 0-3. I think they're owned for, and now they are faced with the prospect of obviously they got to beat Waco High. Right. That's non-negotiable because then Duncanville, and then you got Duncanville, and at that point you're just kind of fighting for scraps and hoping that there's chaos in order to get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, Hugh Midway, because of the zone structure, is now in legit peril of missing the playoffs. Let's worry about Baylor for a couple of reasons. Yeah. One, obviously the offense is like broken. Like the offense can't get going, and it's really it's really frustrating to watch. Like it like it is a frustrating offense to watch, and I'm not even a fan. Like it's a frustrating to watch them play. Yes, it is. Furthermore, there were reports on Sunday night that Tristan Ebner and John Lovett were going to opt out of the reg- rest of the season. Um, that would obviously be a huge blow to Baylor, uh, especially John Lovett is considered like a team leader mm-hmm. uh, for that team. Now those have kind of been dispelled. But you do wonder if there is some dissension, if there is some smellness coming from uh, coming from Baylor. So keep an eye on them. They've got to they've got to find a way to get back on track. And finally, let's worry about Tyler. Tyler High loses again this week, mm-hmm. and we're starting to wonder like what exactly is this team? Um, you know, we we love Coach Workland and Holmes and what they've been able to do, but they just have not been able to put it together yet this year. Um, they ended up, and they have now dropped to 0-4 in the year uh, going into their bye week, uh, but they lose to McKinney North 34-24 to in a game that, honestly, they probably should have won. Right. Yeah, you so, got to finish that. you got to finish that. So that's pretty disappointing. Uh, and so Tyler is 0-4. They are a team to worry about. Three teams to watch. How about Winsboro? We mentioned them. Yep. Winsboro, Josh Finney takes it to his old team, beats uh, previously unbeaten in state-ranked Mount Vernon. Uh, 31-29, I believe, was the final. Uh, or 30 to 28, something like that, and they come through and knock get get a huge win, turning that whole district upside down. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that district a lot this week. That district is nuts and sets up a a, a very strange game now between Pottsboro and, and Mount Vernon that has huge playoff implications. Mm-hmm. So um, keep an eye on Winsboro, though. Great win for them. Houston special teams came through in a big way, um, and they were able to really pummel Navy late. And and I will tell you. Houston's like the worst four first quarter team in the yeah. nation. They're awful in the first quarter. Awful. Mm-hmm. But then, like, they wake up and it's like, oh, oh, you oh, guys there they are, are pretty good. The question is, can they just keep themselves from being buried in the first quarter? Uh, but Houston, keep an eye on, on, on the I Cougs. was shocked by that result. Big win. Like, when I texted, or I sent it in the Slack chat, I was like, holy cow. Big win over uh, uh, over Navy. And finally, Killeen Shoemaker. Yeah. Toby Foreman is doing work down there for the Grey Wolves. They are undefeated uh, after their big win, and, and suddenly uh, they've got a they've got a, a big game this week against Coppers Cove. They should be favored in that one, but they're off to a 4-0 start after beating Killeen handily. Um, keep an eye on the Grey Wolves, man. Mm-hmm. Like we we've been talking for a couple of a couple of years about how we think the the Killeen area is on the come up, and I think that that sh- what Shoemaker's doing is is awfully impressive. So keep an eye on Killeen Shoemaker. That's a team to watch, and that is Monday morning fallout. 
We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us up. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Campbell's, and of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Texasfootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. That's our subscription package. You get two magazines, including the recruiting edition, which we're working on right now as we speak. Well, not right now. i got to work on it after the show. I can't do it while we're doing the show. But... Uh, uh, you get two magazines, including the recruiting edition. You get a year's worth of, worth of exclusive online content at texasfootball.com. If you become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Pickle, let's go to the hotline. And let's go to the Rio Grande Valley to talk to the head coach of the 1-0 Brownsville Hannah Golden Eagles. We are joined by Coach Mark Guest. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Greg? I am doing excellent. How are things in the beautiful Rio Grande Valley? Well, right now they're very windy and hot, but uh, we're, we're hoping to get a little bit of this cold air that everybody else is getting and uh, cool things off a bit. Well, Coach, you know, it's, 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 I know everybody's real tired of talking about it, but it's such a, a huge part of our lives these days is, is you know, the Rio Grande Valley has been hit pretty hard by the, by the COVID-19 pandemic. You guys were just now this week able to get out there and, and play your first game of the year. Uh, before we even get to the big win over, over San Benito, can you just tell us about your feelings about being able to get out there and finally play a game on October 23rd? Well, we had been locked down since the week after spring break and, and things were just not looking good for us. You know, we, we, we would get so much information, you know, we were going to be able to start and we weren't going to be able to start. And it was just a lot of back and forth, but ultimately, you know, we, we, we were fortunate enough to be able to get out here uh, and start our practices on October 5th. And, uh, you know, we had three weeks of practice. We got no scrimmages, uh, anything like that. We just jumped right into our first ball game. So it was way different than what we thought, but we were just so excited to be back out on the field and have the opportunity to be able to play. Well, and it was out of, it was right into, uh, the, the teeth of the schedule too, you know, obviously just playing a, 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 a district only schedule, you guys mm-hmm. open with San Benito, uh, a team that, you know, extremely well, well thought of and a team that we think has, has, has very high hopes and you guys, uh, darn it, you guys don't go out there and, and, and knock them off on the road. Um, wh- I was surprised. I'll be honest. I was surprised. Were you surprised? We weren't surprised, honestly. Uh, you know, we knew that all things being equal, that, that nobody's been out on the field uh, for a long time. Uh, we felt we had as good a chance as they did to win the ball game. Uh, and, and going into it, you know, the last time we went over to their to their stadium uh, in 18, when we the year we went three rounds uh, and lost to a heartbreaker to Brandeis there in Alamo Dome in the third round, uh, that year we beat them over there 30 to nothing. We had to shut out and uh, – you know, we felt good going into their house and, and being able to play. So we, we just prepared our kids the best that we could uh, and and just expected all-out relentless effort and, and execution doing their job. And uh, that that's pretty much what happened. We're talking with Mark Gass, the head coach of the Brownsville Hannah Golden Eagles here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation at hashtag TF Today. Uh, coach, it, it, it was, it was a, a defensive 
masterpiece from you guys against a high-powered and explosive San Benito team. You know, last year, this was a defense that, you know, struggled at times and, you know, and, and, and had some trouble finding their footing. Right out of the gates, it seems like this defense has taken a big step forward. What, what, what do you think is the difference this year uh, on the defensive side? Well, we're a year older, uh, and, and even so, we still don't have very many seniors on defense. Uh, we're playing quite a few juniors, and we've even got uh, a sophomore or two in the mix. And uh, they're, they're just stepping up and doing their job. They're very coachable. Uh, they take a lot of pride uh, in, in their defense, which, of course, their head coach does also. So uh, I have a great defensive coordinator who uh, he and I both call the game. I call the front end. He calls the back end. And we complement each other very well. And uh, I think our preparation for the game is is really what led to uh, the result. Uh, you know, we had watched – all we had film on was, was film from, from last year and the previous times that we played them. So that's all we had to go on. So we just relied on, on our film and uh, our preparation. And the kids came out and, and, for the most part, did a really good job of executing. Well, and, and you mentioned – you got a lot of youngsters over there. You know, Anthony Ambrose mm-hmm. is, is a junior. Umberto Garcia, who I know came up with a huge sack it, it, late in the game mm-hmm. for y'all, is is a junior. For a lot of young teams, especially coming off of the kind of offseason that, that you guys have had, you might expect them not to be very crisp. But, you know, I guess, how did you, how were you able to prepare your guys so that coming out of, of the gates after the strangest offseason in Texas high school football history. How was it that you guys were able to stay focused and prepared so that you guys were able to come out so hot? Well, we, we really stressed during during our downtime importance of, of being physically ready to play. We were going to get them mentally ready. We weren't worried about that, but it was where we going to be physically ready. And, uh, of course, you know, when you don't have the – well, let me rephrase this yeah. – we, we take a lot of pride in our off-season strength program and our conditioning program. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest change, I think, that, that I had made when I stepped on board here at Anna. And it's really made a big difference for us. And, you know, this season, even though we didn't get to have the off-season with them directly working out, you know, we still laid out the expectation for them. And they understand the importance of that. We were having a really good off-season uh, coming into uh, March. Once we got to spring break, we had really – probably one of the better off seasons one of my groups has ever had. And uh, so we, we expected some big things from him. And then all of a sudden the uh, breaks get put on us with COVID and it, it was different, but they understand the importance of it and understood, you know, exactly what they had to do in order to get themselves physically ready to play. And then of course, you know, once we were able to get into camp October 5th, then we, we just started really having to focus more on the, on the the mental portion of it, and it it just works out for us. We're talking with Mark Guest, the head coach of the Brownsville Hannah Eagles here on Texas Football Today. Coach, um, we, we've talked a lot about your, your defense, but but I want to switch over to the offensive side, and particularly mm-hmm. your, your signal caller, Diego Escobar. Um, uh, I know that every coach is going to say that their quarterback is important. Uh, it, it seems like as, as not only from what he does on the field, but also the leadership that he brings uh, from from the position uh, mm-hmm. off the field as well is is important. I, I can look at the, the 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 numbers and I can tell that he's pretty good. Uh, but but what is it about Diego Escobar that makes him special? Diego, he was he was our starting free safety last year mm-hmm. as a junior and first team all district guy. Uh, very very competitive kid. And Diego does not like losing. He hates losing. 
So he uses that, I think, to drive him forward uh, to, to be a great leader and to uh, do a good job as far as holding himself accountable uh, for, for mistakes that he makes. And, and he understands fully that, that, you know, we're all accountable to, to what we do. And his goal is to not make those mistakes. But yet when he does, he knows he's not perfect. He tries to learn from those mistakes. And, and of course, like I said, he holds himself accountable. And, uh, you know, he's just he's just a great competitor and, and a, a great kid. He's a top 10 percent kid in his class. Very cerebral guy. Uh, did a lot of seven on seven here uh, during the during the pandemic break. Uh, they had s- several different seven on seven leagues that down here in the valley that they were competing in really all over the state. But uh, he, he just loves to compete. And it doesn't matter if he's playing football or if he's playing tiddlywinks he wants to win and uh that's what he does well he certainly does he comes up big uh seems like anytime you guys need him and 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 finally coach uh it's 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 on to the next one and it's not like it gets any easier from here uh (laughs) as uh as this week you guys draw los fresnos uh you know another perennial power down there in 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 the rio Grande valley i don't want to ask you to give away your game plan but i know you're already working uh on, on the falcons whenever you see what what you're up against this week uh what do you see well, we see the same style of offense that, that Tascosa ran that we've got to see the last two years during the regular season. And, uh, you know, it's an offense that I'm familiar with because from my days back at, at West Oso, we ran the, the I-back gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, when I got to veterans here in Brownsville the first two years, we installed the one-back gear, the same thing that those guys are doing. And so I'm pretty familiar with it, and I know that, that it's a – it's a offense that you have to stay defensively. You have to stay on assignment. So we have to have somebody covering the dive. We have to have people on the quarterback and then we have to have somebody else on the pitch. So as long as, as whatever we're in, uh, we have those assignments taken care of. We have a much better chance of slowing that thing down. He's Mark Guess. He's the head coach of the Brownsville Hannah Golden Eagles sitting at one and after their big win over San Benito. Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations again on a big win on Friday night and uh, best of luck down the road. All right. Thank you, Greg. Thank you all for having me. There he goes. Mark Guess, the head coach, Brownsville Hannah. That was that was a perfect example of a game. When Fridays are kind of flying fast and furious, you, you, you're, you're trying to kind of gather as much data as possible and trying to understand what's going on, what the shape of the night is. Mm-hmm. That is the perfect example of a game that, that it took me until like Saturday night, Sunday morning to go, for oh, it wow. To get, for, it, for it to kind of get, it, it to kind of ping in my brain like, oh, oh, Hannah beat San Benito. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. And that, that is, that was a, pretty sizable upset there down there uh, at least from from my perspective obviously right. obviously you know coach Gus came in and saying you know what it, I, I think that that's you know one of the strange advantages is that you know a, a matchup like that where on paper you know Hannah went three and seven last year it was a disappointing year for them uh, a year after going in the regional semifinals the year before um, but you wonder if this is a terrible way to put it but you wonder if, like, the pandemic is a bit of an equalizer in the sense that, look, it's week one for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody had to go through that strange offseason. And so even though, yeah, Hannah on paper should be an underdog to San Benito. It's who prepared. Or you who, wonder, you know. you wonder if, if because of the strange circumstances that it, it gives those underdogs right. more, of a, more of a fighting chance. Right. 
And so it was, it's a fantastic stuff and a great win for Sam Benito. And uh, we're, of course, I'm sorry for, so pumped to have RGV Hannah, football. Yeah. Yes, of course. Just happy to have RGV back. You'll um, love to see Yes. It. Glad that they are back and out there playing and uh, and, and hope that they can uh, they can stay safe and, and keep things keep, keep this thing rolling. So we are at Texas Football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Pickle. Let's do some rankings. Dave Campbell's Texas Football is unveiling its Week 10 Statewide Texas High School Football Rankings at TexasFootball.com. The rankings are compiled by the Dave Campbell's Texas Football staff. DCTF has published the state's most respected Texas high school football rankings for decades and is the official rankings provider of the Associated Press since 2019. Weekly rankings are revealed on Texas Football Today every Monday at 1230. It is actually 1230. Let's go. We did it. Let's go. We did it. (laughs) Goals. Look at us. Locking out the show. <laughs> at TexasFootball.com slash live and complete rankings can be found at TexasFootball.com slash rankings. Let's get to it. The Week 10 Texas High School Football Rankings. We will start in 6A, where uh, a little bit of changes, and especially at the bottom of the rankings, we are seeing some uh, some movement as far as the bottom is, is concerned, uh, including three new teams entering the ranking. Converse Judson. Uh, takes down uh, takes down San Antonio or wins by forfeit over Santo- South San. Uh, some spots open up ahead of them that allow them to nudge back into the top 25. Klein Oak into the top 25 uh, with their win over Klein Collins. Very impressive, 26 to nothing. And San Antonio Johnson, Mark Soto, cooking something up with the Jaguars. They're 4-0 after their 19-6 win over San Antonio. Brandeis, the top 10, though, unchanged. Galena Park, North Shore, Duncanville, Katy. Austin, Westlake, Allen, DeSoto, Lake Travis, Cypher, uh, Denton Geyer, and Cedar Hill. To 5A we go. 5A Division One. I hope you'll like a lot of chalk because we got most of it. Top three unchanged. Denton Ryan, uh, Highland Park, and Lancaster are still a top three. Cedar Park edges out Richmond Foster for the number four spot in our rankings as they uh, jump ahead of the uh, the Falcons to the number four spot after their big win over Austin Anderson. Everything else unchanged. Manville, Longview, Lubbock, Coronado, Frisco, Lone Star, and Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial. Over to 5A Division II we go. Where? Also a lot of chalk with the exception of the very bottom. Top nine are unchanged, but a new number 10 as Huntsville, their big win over previously unbeaten Brian Rudder, mm-hmm. vaults them into the top 10 uh, ahead of Liberty Hill, who did nothing wrong, but Huntsville uh, played a tougher team and was a little bit more, was as a result, that strength of schedule nudges them into the top 10. Huntsville, the newest member of the 5A Division II top 10. To 4A we go, where we've got some changes. 4A Division One, uh, Waco La Vega's lost to Midlothian Heritage, drops them from number three to number ten, and into the number nine spot is Midlothian Heritage, the team that beat them. Uh, Paris up two spots to number eight with their win over Kaufman. Uh, everything else largely unchanged, but a lot of movement. Poor Lavaca Calhoun, now the number three team in 4A Division One. By the way. Coming up in a couple of weeks, Calhoun and Cal Allen. That is going to be tasty. For a Division Two, also pretty similar, although there's some movement at the very bottom uh, as number seven drops out of the Four A Division Two rankings. But Graham nudges back into the rankings at number ten. Everything else mostly unchanged. A couple of forfeits, by the way, in there as Glen Rose got a forfeit win, and so did Pleasant Grove. Three A Division One now. 
lot of changes here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, number five, Mount Vernon loses to Winsboro. They drop out of the rankings. Everyone moves up a couple of spots, uh, especially Tuscola Gym Ned. They jump from number seven to number five uh, with the movement. Uh, new to the rankings, breaking into the rankings for the first time, the Buccaneers of East Chambers. They're the number 10 team in Dave Campbell's Texas football at 7-0 and after their win over Kirbyville. To 3A Division Two, we go. Where? Chalk. Mm-hmm. Entirely chalky. Unchanged. Canadian still your number one team in 3A Division Two. To 2A we go where 2A Division 1 chalk everyone unchanged Shiner and Refurio both idle I think we're getting to the point now where I do wonder if you can make the argument that Post deserves to be number 2 that's neither here nor there something I've just been thinking about they remain number 3 but that top 3 especially Shiner, Refurio, Post uh, unchanged Lindsay checks in at number 4 as well by the way big game this week number 5 Joaquin and number 8 Tempson mm-hmm. 2A Division 2 where Chalk! 1 through 10, unchanged. Mart, Idle, they're still the number one team in 2A Division 2. Hamlin got a forfeit win over Crosbyton. Everyone else, pretty sizable winners over their respective opponents, including Wellington gets a nice Mm -hmm. win over Clarendon. That was big. To the six-man ranks, where we do have some changes. These, of course, come to our fr- come our friend Granger Huntress at sixmanfootball.com. The new number one team in 1A Division One, the Sterling City Eagles. Two, though, Victor, go the spoils as they knock off previously unbeaten number one, Westbrook. Westbrook drops to number three as a result of the loss. And back into the rankings, they fought COVID all year long, but Water Valley back into the top ten at number ten uh, with their big win over Eden. Uh, everything else largely unchanged. Although, you did have Knox City, Leapfrog, Lakey for the number 7 spot. 1A Division 2, you've got some more movement. Motley County uh, jumps ahead of Richland Springs for the number 2 spot. Groom up a pair of spots with their win, uh, with the, uh, uh, even though they were idle, but they jump Leapfrog, Calvert, and Jayton due to strength of schedule. Everything else mostly unchanged. Finally, to the private school ranks. Where top five in 11 men are unchanged. Parish Episcopal, Fort Worth, Nolan, Plano, Jump, Paul II, Trinity, Christian, Cedar Hill, and San Antonio Cornerstone, who got a big win over Del Rio. And the six-man ranks also unchanged. Austin, Veritas, Fredericksburg, Heritage, and Fairditch, rather, and Bastrop Tribe consolidated all winners. New Braunfels, Christian, rather, at number three. And Dallas Lake Hill at number five were idle. And so there are your Week 10 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press rankings. You can find them on on texasfootball.com slash and now, Pickle, let me tell you about this. Some UIL 100 list. Let's do it. In celebration of 100 years of UIL Texas high school football, the UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football have teamed up to honor the best, the brightest, and the most unforgettable icons and legends in the sport's illustrious history. With the help of some of the state's foremost ex- experts and historians, the UIL and Dave Campbell's Texas football will honor 100 of the greatest players to ever suit up in Texas, 100 of the finest teams to ever grace the gridiron, and 100 of the most fabled rivalries that give the game its one-of-a-kind flair. Each week throughout the 2020 season, Dave Campbell's Texas football announces 10 honorees on each list, an indelible honor to be known as one of the greatest in Texas high school football history. Fans then have an opportunity to weigh in, voting for the player, team, and rivalry they think is the best of the best to be named as a UIL Fans Choice 100, UIL 100 Fans Choice. It all leads up to a celebration as big as Texas, celebrating the UIL's 100 players, teams, and rivalries, and the Fans Choice Top 10 in each category at the UIL Texas High School Football State Championship Games at AT&T Stadium in Arlington this 
December. And now we're into week seven of this, and we are able to unveil new members of the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list. This is ridiculous. So <laughs> y'all are gonna have to y'all are gonna have to vote for one of these guys. Yeah, this is ridiculous list. You got Cristobal running back Jack Party, Midland Lee running back Cedric Benson, John Tyler running back Earl Campbell, Waco running back Booty Johnson, Cy Creek offensive lineman Dan Neal, Galena Park North Shore defensive lineman Corey Redding, Breckenridge linebacker Jerry Tubbs. Fort Worth Arlington Heights wide receiver Mike Renfro, Temple linebacker Kai Aldrich, and Houston Madison quarterback Vince Young. That's dirty. I'm, I'm grabbing the <laughs> I'm grabbing the trophy just, <laughs> just to do that. You know, player of the year. Anyway, those are the newest members of the UIL 100 Years 100 Players list. You can vote for which player should be a member of the UIL Fans Choice Top Ten at TexasFootball.com. Yeah, good luck. Slash UIL 100. <laughs> Enjoy that. That's one. one of those. I'm glad that y'all have to do it, and we don't. <laughs> so those are to to be clear. We have the list of 100, and they are they are largely randomized. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do move some things around specifically so that we don't have like two players from the same team mm-hmm. or two or too many players from like one region or, or one era. So we try to have some variety there. But those are small changes. We didn't make any mm-hmm. changes to that. That's just how it came up yeah, randomly. That's a, so whew. enjoy that one. Text wall accomplish UIL 100. Let's go to the teams. UIL 100 years, 100 teams list. The newest members of the, of the, the list. 1995 San Antonio Roosevelt. 1978 Sealy. 2009 Abilene. 1922 Waco. 1949 Wichita Falls. 1977 Plano. 1940 Amarillo, 1966 Sonora, 1987 West Orange Sark, and 2012 Navasota. The newest members of the UIL 100 Years 100 Teams list. You can vote for your fans' choice top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL 100. And finally, 100 Years and 100 Rivalries, honoring the best rivalries across the state of Texas. The newest members this week, Dallas Madison versus Dallas Lincoln, South Dallas Super Bowl, Quero versus Yoakum, DeSoto versus Cedar Hill. Hondo versus Devine. Corgan Camden versus Groveton. Mineral Wells versus Weatherford. Abbott versus Aquila. Dublin versus Dillion. Uh, Sabinal versus Brackettville. And Gonzalez versus Yoakum. These are the newest members of the UIL 100 Years 100 Rivalries list. You can vote for which one you believe deserves a spot on the Fans' Choice Top 10 at texasfootball.com slash UIL 100. You can also see all of the players, teams, and rivalries we have unveiled so far at texasfootball.com slash UIL 100. A reminder that we go 10 weeks in this thing. This is week 7, which means there are still 30 entries on each list. So mm-hmm. if we haven't named your favorite player, your favorite team, your favorite rivalry, don't yell at us. Pull your jets. <laughs> We've still got time. Don't worry. In fact, I want, I want to look at who we haven't named so far. Let's see if I can find that. Right I will part. say real fast, uh, James Frost said, Vince Young, come get your trophy and I will vote for you. There you go. Come so, get a trophy. That seems, that seems <laughs> that fair. That seems fair. So, for example, I'm just going to pull up the, the schedule we have for the players. Let me see if I can find this. You're listening to live. Come yeah, and go. that's... I feel so, like- here we go. Perfect example is that here is one player that I will tell you is on the list that we have not named yet. Uh, maybe the best defender of all time in uh, Jesse Armstead. <laughs> Don't worry. Still got time. time. Let it cook. Six and say, and if you think it's hard to choose one out of groups of 10, I, you know, yeah. try, try choosing the 100 out of everyone. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, anyway, textfootball.com slash UIL100. Pickle. 
Dave Campbell's Texas Football in conjunction with the Texas Bulls. Proud to present the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week Award to the most deserving high schooler in the state of Texas. Every Monday at 12.41 p.m., TexasFootball.com <laughs> announces 10 candidates for that week's <laughs> award based on the previous week's on-field performance. We then leave it up to you to vote at TexasFootball.com for which player you believe should be the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week. Voting closes each Friday at noon. It actually does close at Friday at noon uh, yes. with the winner being announced shortly thereafter. <laughs> we control that one for a fact. Yes. <laughs> Your Week 9 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees, Langham Creek, Langham Creek, Langham Creek wide receiver, Jaquez Petaway caught eight passes for 257 yards and three touchdowns for the Lobos. Poteet running back Ernest Davis, not Mesquite Poteet, Poteet as in the Aggies of Poteet, 40 carries, 328 yards and three touchdowns on the ground for Ernest Davila, rather, God. of Poteet. Wow. <laughs> Midlothian defensive back Riley Angel, four tackles, a pass breakup, a blocked field goal, and three interceptions, and he added 13 yards receiving. How about Corpus Christi Miller quarterback Andrew Body? 278 yards and four touchdowns passing, 31 carries, 254 yards, and five touchdowns on the ground, and they lost. Like, What? That's it's unbelievable. Insane. Because from that same game, Port Lafaka Calhoun, <laughs> quarterback and defensive back Jarius Stewart, had 19 carries for 245 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. He also had 12 tackles and three pass breakups. Olton quarterback Jack Alcorn. Might be Alcorn. A-L-L. Alcorn. I think it's Jack Alcorn. Alcorn. 16 carries, 300 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, and he also threw for 26 yards. Arlington defensive back Richard Toney. Ten tackles, two tackles for loss, three pass breakups, two interceptions, and he returned one of those picks for a touchdown. Wellington running back and linebacker Mark Ramirez, 26 carries, 303 yards, five touchdowns on the ground. He added 16 tackles, a forced fumble, and a pass breakup. Have yourself a day, Mark Ramirez from Wellington. Geronimo Navarro running back and defensive back Sam Muniga, 11 carries, 157 yards, and three touchdowns. Plus three tackles, a pass breakup, and two interceptions in their big win over Wimberley. And finally, Brock running back Cash Jones. 17 carries, 304 yards, and four touchdowns for the Eagles running back in their big win over Boyd. So those are your Week 9 Mr. Texas Football Player of the Week nominees. Vote now. Vote early. Vote often. Vote now at TexasFootball.com. And it'll close at noon. It'll close at noon on, on Friday. Friday. <laughs> Finally, Pickle. Dave Campbell's Texas Football is proud to honor one head football coach in each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach, each coach recognized with this special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 9 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. In 6A, Mike Fullen from Abilene. Coach Fullen, who took time away to battle colon cancer, made his return to the sidelines a week ago on the road at San Angelo Central, but his first game back on the sidelines at Shotwell Stadium, Fullen's Eagles played inspired football to put themselves right back in the district race with a 27-25 win over Odessa Permian. In 5A, Albert Torres from San Antonio Harlandale. Coach Torres' squad had to wait until Friday night to open the season, and the Indians made the most of it in a 12-5A Division I opener, rolling past Kyle Lehman, 32-7. In 4A, Lee Wigginton from Midlothian Heritage. Coach Wigginton's Jaguars improved to 7-2 on the year and put themselves in prime position for the 5-4A Division I district title with a win 
over state-ranked Waco La Vega, 31-21. In 3A, Davin Nelson from Dangerfield. Coach, da- Coach Nelson's squad got a sweet win Friday with a 49-17 win over Omaha Paul Pewitt. Dangerfield moved into sole possession of first place and put to rest some bad memories from last year's playoff loss to their arch-rivals. In 2A, Casey Otho from Cristoval. Coach Otho's squad has moved into the 2A Division II state rankings, and they are eyeing a chance to play for a regional title come playoff time as they've improved to 7-1 with a 43-20 win over El Dorado. In 1A, Angel Pantoa from Roby, in a virtual must-win district showdown, Coach Pantoa's guided his lines to a 67-34 win over Aspermont, marking their best offensive performance of the season. And in the private school ranks, Jason Reimers from Houston Emory Weiner. In a hotly anticipated district showdown, Coach Reimers' Jaguars outlasted Brian, Adam, uh, Brian Allen Academy in double overtime to remain undefeated with a 62-60 to victory. So those are your Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. Congratulations to all the coaches. Thanks for all you do for your schools, teams, and communities. For more information, visit texasfootball.com. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. We have a lot of talking. Doing a lot of talking these days. Pickle, let's round it all out. Nice campus crawl. Look at the 12 FPS teams in the state of Texas. We will, of course, go... Last week we went in alphabetical order. This year we'll go in reverse alphabetical order. We will start with UTSA. Well, that was awesome. Um, UTSA surges from behind to take down Louisiana Tech. I'll be honest... I thought this team was absolutely, positively, no doubt, dead to rights going into that fourth quarter. Because after, I'll be on, whenever whenever um, um, Louisiana Tech had that pick six in the middle of the third quarter, that went up 26-13. I was like, that's, that's tough. That's a backbreaker is what that is. But Sincere McCormick comes through in a big way. He had a fantastic game uh, in this one. And, um, you know, look, Frank Harris came back. I don't think he was super sharp. But the defense held them in, right? The defense held them in long enough to be able to give them a shot late. And Sincere McCormick went nuts, 165 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, a huge, huge conference win for UTSA to move to 2-1 in conference. And and they are, I mean, you know, it, what, what, I, what I'm really excited about about this team is that it seems like they've found a way to finish. They found a way to finish. Like, they found a way to, b- to bounce back. Mm-hmm. I think in past years, that pick six might have been the end of UTSA for that year. Right. For that, for that game. Well, and we've always said, too, they always have the ability to, like, really kind of just mess things up for the other team. Yes. But, yeah, they could never take that next step forward of actually messing something up and then converting it into to a positive game right. for them. And now they play FAU uh, this weekend, this Saturday. And, and look, man, the next three games, okay – the next three games. In fact, heck, the rest of their schedule. Mm-hmm. Okay? The rest of their schedule. At FAU, at Rice, home for UTEP, at Southern Miss, home for North Texas. Tell me which game you're sure they're going to lose. None of them. I mean. Right? Southern Miss is going to be probably their biggest. Right. Southern Miss. It's on the road at Southern Miss. But, that's, I mean. That's probably the toughest But Southern Miss is also one and four. And, yeah. like, 
it's probably time we stop overeating Southern Miss. I'm telling you, UTSA is good. This was a huge win for them to get over Louisiana Tech. I am very fired up about UTSA. Now, like they've already like they're probably not winning the division. UAB's probably the favorite to win the division. Right. But like who knows? If UAB scuffles, mm-hmm. they're right in it. Great win for UTSA. They made me very happy this weekend. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about UTEP. They did not make me very happy this weekend. No. Mostly because they didn't play. But that's another here or there. Yeah. UTEP. Uh, did not play this weekend, and so we will see what happens with them coming up this week. Texas Tech. Another kind of important, gutty win mm-hmm. uh, for them. And and look, I don't, I don't think this is a... Tech is not winning pretty. This is not a pretty win. No. Basically, they won because their defense stepped up when it needed to. It wasn't great, right? Jared Dagey did kind of carve them up for 350 yards, right? But they came up with big stops when they needed them. Like, they were were opportunistic. They're very opportunistic. Specifically, they held West Virginia to 4 of 16 on third down. That's going to win you ballgames. That was fantastic. That's when you don't need Henry Columbia to go out there and save you, mm-hmm. right? That's when you don't need, like, a, a heroic game from your offense. All this was good enough. I thought Henry Columbia controlled the game pretty well, right? I thought they ran the ball okay mm-hmm. with Thompson and Brooks. But overall, look, you don't need to go out there and win fifty, score 50 points a game no, if, a, your defense a is, a if your defense is just opportunistic. And, and that was... I mean, and, and obviously, look, you know, they, they end up winning the game fundamentally uh, on, uh, on, a, on a defensive play mm-hmm. with Zach McPherson's fumble return. That is a different kind of win for Tech, and it's encouraging to see them win a different kind of game against a team that, like, look, I think they should beat. I think they should beat West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And they came out, and they, and they won on the margins. And that's something that Tech has not been able to do consistently under Matt Wells, but that was a good win to win on the margins. Mm-hmm. It's a good win for them. Talk about Texas State. Um, they did not win on the margins. They did not win no. really at all. There was a lot of folks. So, look, they go to BYU, they get blasted 52-14. to 14. Right. We they get, they get blasted. Um, Brady McBride. Brady McBride is, is, I mean, say this for Brady McBride. He is out there slinging it. He is. Yeah. He is being aggressive, being very, very, very aggressive, um, and you know sometimes he throws the ball where he shouldn't. I think. Uh, I don't think the running game is as good as they they needed to be to make up for the fact that the passing game just isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, they got carved up by Zach Wilson. He'll do that to people. But here's the thing, and there was a lot of people, tech, uh, Texas State fans, were pretty bent out of shape about uh, BYU running a fake punt up like 30 or something like that. And it's like, yeah, well, uh, look, it's uncouth. It's, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. But, uh, you know, hopefully this kind of lights a fire under them. Because, look, this ultimately this game doesn't mean anything. It's a, it's a non-district game or non-conference game. Uh, the game <laughs> Switch this, gears. <laughs> yeah, the game this week against Louisiana. You win this game, and, and it more than puts uh, that, that loss in the rearview mirror. So... Uh, tough, tough road to hoe yet, but uh, dis- disappointing loss for Texas State. But we kind of saw it coming, right? Texas A&M did not play. Big game this week against Arkansas. Texas, um, a surprisingly competent defensive effort. Yeah. Now we'll get to Baylor in a moment. Um, they were able to stop the run, which was impressive. 
And they were able to make Baylor pretty one-dimensional and pretty like pretty kind of you know sideline to sideline, not mm-hmm. able to take deep shots. Now we'll, again, we'll get to Baylor in a moment, but I thought this was an impressive, the best defensive effort that they've had this year. Yes. Uh, and it came at a good time because the offense mm, is fine. It's okay. What's what's really frustrating for me about Texas is that I had really high hopes for their running game. Mm-hmm. Their running game was really you know with with Keontae Ingram with with B. John Anderson, or Robinson, rather, the new guy. Um, you know, they sprinkle in Rashawn Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the running game just hasn't hasn't been as good as I thought it was going to be, and that's disappointing. They've well, kinda, yeah, their leading rusher is Sam. Yeah. Like, they've that leaded, shouldn't be that way. They've needed Sam to come through, like Sam Ellinger to come through uh, with his arm, and he has. I don't think the offense is great in this game. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it, 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 it was, you know, there were times where they really sputtered. But the defense held them in, and that's the first time we can say that the defense won them a game, and yes. that's encouraging sign going forward. So Texas three and two, and now who do they play? They get at Oklahoma State, so that'll be a game. TCU. Well, this was like this was this was my most disappointing result of the weekend. Yes, I don't know if we necessarily didn't see it coming, but it's the same old problems that have plagued. TCU in recent years Max Duggan Max Duggan is decidedly a step forward from the from the offense from the quarterback situation they've had the past couple of years decidedly yes but you can't ask him to go out there and do everything Mm -mm. and when you average three yards a carry against an OU team that can't stop anybody no then you're setting yourself up for failure now it seems like the it seems like the Oklahoma offense is starting to figure it out. It seems like Spencer Rattler settled in and getting better. It seems like they're getting better, right? So I don't want to bury them too much, but the defense didn't play its best, and whenever you consistently ask Max Duggan to go out there and win the game pretty much single-handedly, that's just not going to work. you got to get some running game going. And, and, and you know, look... <sighs> I love all these running backs, right? Mm-hmm. DeMarco Foster, Kendra Miller, Zach Evans, Darwin Barlow, Tay Barber, they are all like Dave Campbell's darlings. I do wonder if, like, I, it seems like they've got a bunch of running backs that they like and none of them they love. Right. And, and I'd, love to yeah. see, I'd love to see them kind of commit to one guy and, and say, you're going to be our guy running the ball because I feel like some consistency and consistent touches may do some. I want to see help. this team make halftime adjustments. Like, yeah. they, they don't Yeah, they basically seem, play the same half twice. Yeah, they, they seem to do that every single week. And when you get down that big to an Oklahoma team that's really not that good and you can come back in the second half and at least put up some, some numbers, there were no adjustments made no. at all. And that's real discouraging. No, yeah, and that's the thing is that, like, this game it ended up 33-14. But, I mean, this game was this game was 30-7 to early in the fourth. And it's like, okay, like it was a no contest. You know, they get a, they get, you know, a, a touchdown pass from Duggan to pro Wells, but um, I don't know. It was, it was, this was disappointing for me. Mm-hmm. I, I I expected a little bit better at TCU. Now they're one and three and that one win is over Texas, which is like, I don't know, man, the big 12 yeah. mess. Now they go to Baylor this week in a battle of teams that are kind of riding the struggle bus offensively. Can we also point this out? I tweeted this, but like, it felt like it was 48 degrees outside that morning yeah. and Gary's over there with like a massive towel just still sweating like a crazy person. Like, oh, man, what? <laughs> man's what got a brand. going on? Man's got a brand, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. Um, SMU. Disappointing. Disappointing. The offense, obviously, look, the offense didn't, you know, Shane Bouchelle didn't have his best game. 
they were not able to run the ball, which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's disappointing. We expected them to have a little bit of trouble containing the running game for our, our, the, the the Cincinnati offense, and you know they did. I mean, even if you take away like that kind of back breaking. 91-yard touchdown run from the quarterback. Yeah. Um, then that, you know, it was still, it, they still didn't do a good job of controlling the controlling the line of scrimmage. Um, they did not convert third downs at all. Third, the uh, like like 7 to 20 on third down. They're consistently setting themselves up in, in, in third and long. And this is disappointing. I do think, like, this is one of those things that I think people are going to look at this and be like, 42-13, oh my gosh. But this game, like, this game did get away from them late. Mm-hmm. Like, this game was 28-13 with 12 minutes left. Like, it was within range. Offense had not done diddly, but, and so I didn't think they were coming back. But this game, even with, like, five minutes left, this game was 28-13. That's when Ritter busted off. Like, they got two long touchdown runs late mm-hmm. that kind of put put the, made this thing look, look ugly. Um... I'm not. I'm, I'm not here to bury SMU. I do think that they are desperately missing Reggie Roberson, somebody who could stretch the oh, field, yeah. uh, and 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 make them make them respect the deep pass that they can't all crowd up to the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and stop the run. Um, now they go to Na- they they take on Navy. That should be a win. You'd think nice bounce back, but I would say this is disappointing from from um, uh, from from the Ponies as they lose their first game of the year. Oh, Rice. Uh. <laughs> Man, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, so Rice goes, Rice plays probably the wildest game of the weekend in Texas. Yes. Rice plays a double overtime game with Middle Tennessee. And and first, before we get to the ending and the way this game went, um, this is our first look at Rice. Yes. Um, The, I think the secondary is going to be a problem all year long. That did not, they did not look good. Um. I thought the offense looked okay. I felt like it maybe took a step forward. I thought Mike Collins was was uh, a, settled in and acquitted himself pretty well. Juma Odoviano, I think, is still a star. I love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Trammell, they've got they've got weapons. I think the offense is going to be okay. The secondary is going to be a problem, though. I, I really think so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that. Now let's get into the game. So Rice had this thing won basically twice. Yeah. They come back. They storm back, fall behind early. They were down... Uh, 31-19 at the end of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. 31-19. They storm back, and Mike Collins or uh, 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 Mike Collins engineers a 10-play, 83-yard drive in uh, basically two minutes mm-hmm. and hits Austin Trammell for a, a, a go-ahead, game-winning 20-yard touchdown pass. Basically, it was like two passes. I was going to say, well, they, they it was a 10-play drive. huge fourth down. It was a 10-play drive, but it was a two-play drive because yes. two large pass, long passes. Huge fourth down conversion. Middle Tennessee storms down the field, travels 35 yards in 34 seconds, mm-hmm. and kicks a 48-yard field goal to tie the game as time expires. Okay, they go to overtime. They go to overtime. And Middle Tennessee gets the ball first. And they miss the field goal. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, here we go. Here we go. Now, my feelings for Bloom are well documented. Yes. I love Mike Bloomgrim. Don't love playing for a f- game-winning 40-something yard field goal. Yeah, like 47 like yards, I think. Don't love playing for that. That's me. Okay, whatever. 42-yard field goal. They line it up and... It looks good. It looks good, and then it goes doink, 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 doink. 
quadruple. It goes doink. It goes post crossbar, post crossbar, and then just out slowly falls out. Like that last doink, literally, it just kind of rolled off. It was like it's among the most uh, remarkable football plays I've ever seen. Yes, I've ever seen. They end up losing because in they they go and they I think they had their their they had their field goal blocked mm-hmm. in their in their uh half it didn't matter anyway because Asher O'Hara ran for a fourteen yard touchdown and yes. Middle Tennessee wins disappointing I uh, I don't know if my opinion changes on Rice I think their offense is going to be a little better than we thought I think their defense might be a little worse than we thought and so they are own one and now they play they go two Southern Miss mm-hmm. the crazy part about the like. The quadruple doink is it didn't when watching it in real time, you could not tell that it hit that many times. No, and then you watch the replay, and that's when we were like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> North Texas, tell me about North Texas this week. They were off. They're not playing. Thank goodness. <laughs> Houston, we talked about them in the open. I was very impressed with the um, with the special teams here. Mm-hmm. Um, special teams came through in a very big way for them, and. Um, and again, this is the worst first quarter team in the country. I'm convinced. They look yeah. n- they look terrible in the first quarter, but then they picked it up. And Clayton Toon was very sharp. I thought. Um, I thought. I think Kyle Porter will eventually get going. I'm a little concerned about the offensive line, but I think he will eventually get going. Uh, and the defense did a very good job. I would say grading on the Navy curve, I would say that they did a very solid job of holding down Navy. I thought that's a pretty solid mm-hmm. job. Oh, yeah. So, overall, not a whole lot of criticisms for Dana Holgerson's bunch. They're 2-1 and one on the year. Uh, more importantly, they're 2-0 and oh in conference. Mm-hmm. Now they get Central Florida. UCF at home. You want to you shake things up in the, in, in the American. Uh, go beat UCF, although they are... UCF does have two losses on the year. But they can uh, go out there and... Uh, yeah. Bet. You want to talk about... Man... Next couple weeks, UCF and then at Cincinnati, and then Southern uh, South Florida, and then they're at SMU. So it is going to be a fun couple weeks for mm-hmm. for the Cougs. But they're off to a good start, two and one. And finally, Baylor. Um, are they ever going to let Charlie throw the ball? I don't know <laughs> what's wrong with the offense. I don't know because I don't I don't think that Charlie Brewer became bad. No. But it seems like they have him on an extremely tight leash. Maybe they don't trust the receivers. Like, maybe that's it. Maybe they don't trust the offensive line, which I think is fair. Right. I, I wonder if they don't trust the offensive line to hold up long enough to let him take a deep shot. Um, And that's fair. I wonder if maybe he's playing hurt. Something there is Something's something up. that we don't, I don't know. know. I, don't, I don't know if and Larry Fedora just, see. I, just don't, I don't know if Larry Fedora just doesn't trust him, but the offense has a cap on it. And you're and by doing that, you're allowing the the safeties and everyone to creep up and, and to and, and to, to not respect the pass or at least any sort of deep pass. I mean their longest completion of the game was twenty one yards. Their longest completion of the game. Yeah. They had two passes of longer than twenty yards. Two. And by the way, I'm pretty sure the RJ Steed one was like a catch and run. Mm-hmm. So this is baffling to me. Now I think the defense is largely doing its part. I think the defense is pretty good. Like they they hassled Sam Ellinger a lot in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to, to, to kind of stow up or kind of shore up the defensive uh, front. But until they are able to throw the ball deep by hook or crook, 
you're not then the offense is just going to be stuck like this. It's going to be stuck in the mud. And the defense while it's good is not it's not like last year where it's no. good enough to hold you in every single game. It's just not the case. So it's very disappointing I would say for Baylor. They dropped to 1 and 2 this year and now they host SMU next week or TCU rather next week. So there you go. That is your campus crawl. Now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, final thoughts. Um I don't really have any. Okay. I think we're I think we're calling it a a day for the Monday. Okay, we did uh, Zuckerberg. I I won the war on this one, so job. there's my final thought. Send us a text message at nine seven two five three two six 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 five. Tell us what you thought of pickles producing. That's gonna do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's, and of course see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Brownsville Hannah coach Mark Guest for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow. At Texas Football today.